Good evening, everyone, and welcome to In the Know with Kat Bobino. Today, my extra special guest is Doc T. She does biosurveillance or used to do biosurveillance, and now she is the owner and founder of Outsource uh, Program. I didn't say that right. Outsource Research Program. Um, so everyone wants you to welcome Doc T. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing tonight? I am doing well. I am elated to finally have the chance to um, interact with you on this podcast, uh, finally. So I am ready and open to what is to come. Awesome. So I know we had a small, a short chat before we went live, which was you used to do biosurveillance until a week ago. So we're going to start there. What is biosurveillance? So a biosurveillance scientist is a scientist who cover all aspects of countering weapons of mass destruction, anything that can inhibit or cause harm to us in any faction, COVID-19, weaponry, mass weaponry, which is fire, um, diseases such as yellow fever, malaria, So part of my position was to, on the daily basis, monitor any countering weapon of mass destruction that inhibit several areas of the United States. Um, (laughs) Wow. In different aspects. And my primary job was to create uh, area maps. I did RGIS for Mm -hmm. that position where I created um, topography maps. So to put that in layman terms for someone who don't understand what GIS or geographic information sciences are, the best way I put it to my students is if you was to look at your Google map and you open your map and you put in a search, that picture that you see or that image is an example of what we have and what we call is to manipulate the data. We take additional data. So if you have a house and the house move, my job is to remove the house or add the house. Um, so more and so far. But mostly for what I did with, especially with us, um, can't go too deep because of appearances. <laughs> right. So I don't want to violate anything. But primarily, we were definitely... Um, monitoring COVID and locations and et cetera um, related to what's happening now in real time. So the maps that we see kind of with the red dot that spreads and, you know, this is kind of what's happening. We're getting these infectious areas are type the type of maps you're making, but they're more topography than. Yes. So I completed timeline transition maps to show, um, the rate of people passing within a 24-hour period as it transitioned or um, the growth or the decrease. So those were primary (laughs) tasks that I did on a day-to-day basis. So being a biosurveillance scientist, you definitely have to have um, three key components. You definitely have to have a research background. You definitely have to have an eye of the unknown or possibility of if, if this can transition, if it can spread. 
um, how fast it can spread. And then three, you definitely have to have a teamwork mindset because you're working with so many people whom are working different areas. And at any point, what you're working on may cross or the disease or the destruction that you're monitoring may transition into someone's AOR area. Um, Every second. Like, yes. <laughs> right. You Thank you. No, no, it's all good. Of course, I got your back, girl. Yes, this is, that's amazing, though. You know, one of the biggest things I talk about with STEM is the different jobs and the different backgrounds that we have and what you can take your education and go so far and you know you are the very first person i've had on this show out of like a hundred people i've talked to doing this type of work which further lets me know that stem is where it's at because you there's all kinds of jobs out yes. there and and believe it or not one job um <laughs> transitions into another when it comes to stem my primary job was to do geospatial sciences, which is GIS, which women are lack thereof. And mm -hmm. um, we're very much so needed, as well as minorities, um, you know, no shade. But we're very lacked in certain areas. So when I became a biosurveillance scientist, that has honestly been a dream job of mine for years. When I first heard about it, I was extremely intrigued when I was undergrad at Southern, I mean, and getting my master's at Southern University. And we took a class from someone at Homeland Security and I was just overwhelmed because it was something new. I had never heard of it. And it, it was like a secret society. It took you for, you know, so many things to be qualified to get in it. So when I actually had the, the moment of actually being able to apply myself in a position after gaining the knowledge and content um, to be able to be supplyable to that position, it was an overwhelming feeling my first week because I was so I was real live a kid in the candy store because it was right. so much. It was like, oh, my God, we do this. Oh my God, what is that? Like, I, I'm responsible for that? And right. but then the grown up in you kick in, and it's just like, okay, your hands literally hold the key to so many people being safe. And mm -hmm. that is definitely a position where you got to be strong, you got to be focused, but you have to definitely work for it. And it's not hard to get. And for years, I thought it was. But if I was to talk to my students now, I would tell them, you really got to pay attention in science. You really got to make sure that you are um, aware of surroundings. And you really just got to have a drive in you to be consistent. Be consistent. Oh, yeah. Getting in that GIA. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, GIS or geospatial, all that stuff. I mean, I've taken one <laughs> class, one, um, but that falls under geology, right? Or is that yeah. under a different? Okay. Okay. So it's, so that it's falls actually, I got you. <laughs> it's interdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. um, in some schools, it's under geography. Um, primarily because you're doing mapping and topography. But in a lot of schools, mm -hmm. like where I went to school at Southern in Baton Rouge, we 
actually had it in urban forestry and natural resources. So it honestly depends on where you go. Even when I went to get certificates, like at Penn State and other places, it honestly depends on the school and how they're offering it because it's interdisciplinary, which means it holds so many different areas that you can do in GIS. Some people do Python. People people actually do coding in GIS. Some people just stick to mapping. So, I mean, it's a ball of fun and it's a world if you just want to <laughs> go full throttle. Right. And I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot that you can do with it. You know, when I took the class just as a um, uh, what do you call that? It, not, it didn't fall under my major, but it just sounded interesting. So I took the class, yeah. you know, and the, the mapping is, it's some work. It's some work it's, to do the mapping, but it's pretty fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's, it's adventurous. That's the best word I use when I say working with people like, what is it? What do you do? Like what you get out of it? It's adventurous because one, depending on where your job is and who you're working for, there's no telling what may come across your desk, right? So I've mm-hmm. been in positions where I've done spatial analysis on maps in a whole other country um, for different reasons, right? right? I've done spatial maps related to the presidency, things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all about who you work for, what they want you to do, and how much you're applying when you're honestly being a geospatial analyst. <laughs> okay. Well, that, yeah, I I think I did a map on uh, bird migration when I took the class. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I did one on bird migration. Um, but it was it was cool, you know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, this is this is interesting. And it's like you said, it, it opens the door on so many different things. Like mine was birds, but you've worked on presidencies and <laughs> COVID and, you know, all kinds of stuff that I'm sure we can't even talk about right now. No, it's I amazing, can't. You know? They're listening. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I, um, I saw this backpack. It's this group called Coty or something like that. I Googled it to show my partner so he can see it. I was like, oh, this is a cool little backpack. And of course, now it's on my Instagram commercials. It's in my Facebook commercials. And I'd be like, y'all play too much. Y'all, I know y'all listen and uh, yeah. all the algorithms, but y'all playing too much. Right. And, then once we, and once we finish, an uh, ad's going to pop up on both of our mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it never fails. It never so, fails. It never fails. So, I want to thank anyone and everyone who's watching and uh, joining us live. If you have any questions or comments, just put them in the chat. They do pop up on um, our screen, so we do see them. So again, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, just let us know and put them in the chat. But we're back with Dr. (laughs) Doc T, who is now has transitioned from her job at Biosurveillance to owner of Source Outreach Program. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, transitioning into SOURCE. SOURCE Outreach Program is a mobile STEM-based program where we have five areas um, of subjects. STEM, STEM for preschoolers, STEM for disabled youth, 
youth entrepreneurship workshops, professional and career workshops for 16 plus, which includes students or persons who are trying to obtain a GED or life happened, I fail and I need to get picked back up. And last but not least, urban and school gardening program where we work with um, schools to promote better health. And we go out and we teach them, one, the foundation of building an urban garden at their school, teaching the students and the teachers how to maintain the garden, obtaining grants to get funding for the garden, and then one, transitioning those garden into community services where they're not only funding the school with the food to school program initiative, but as well as um, promoting just better health in the organizations. We do service, excuse me, the DMV area because we're based in Virginia, but with us being mobile, I've been asked, do I go to Philly? Would I come to Philly um, and some other places? Um, <laughs> sorry. Okay. No, no. I'm surprised you don't hear mine crying in the background. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I get it. So we um we do those things and with the with the preschoolers, we try to promote um for my son, you know, uh two years of age to six years of age, because um my primary focus with source is to give back from things that I've learned. I've had a lot of opportunities over the years to be able to participate in a lot of programs such as the NASA. Um, I was a NASA teacher scholar and mm -hmm. I got NASA, sorry, teacher scholar and I got to do that. And I've worked in education, but I was seeing a lack thereof when it came to science and STEM. And like you indicated earlier, we have a mental status where we feel like you just see the baseline when you execute what they want to do is the primary. Oh, I'm going to be a doctor or I'm going to be a right. teacher or right. I'm going to be an engineer. And when you try to get in depth with them and you say, okay, what other engineer would you like to be? What kind of engineer would you like to be? Oh, the kind that just do the tools. They don't, we don't know the terminology. We don't right. teach them the vocabulary and we don't groom them. And I feel like, it's a gap. They don't get it when they're younger because they're too bad or they don't sit still. But mm -hmm. that's the primary time where you're grooming them to focus them to teach them the primary maths and science. And then two, with the disabled youth program, they're slighted because there are not programs available for them to give them those hands-on benefits. And that's some of the things I do. I use buzzers. I use beepers. I let them use iPads and pads so they can be familiar too because at some point they're also eligible to have jobs. Mm -hmm. I'm also <laughs> I grew up as a 504 kid, right? Mm -hmm. I, I was a triple three and people a lot of people that know me on a personal level know that but I always tell people I'm a quad threat. I'm a female. I'm educated. I'm a minority and I'm disabled. So when people meet me and they be like, oh, you disabled, what does that look like? This is what this look like. Mm. So I want kids to know that, okay, you're not hindered because you're handicapped. There were days I couldn't get up. There were days I couldn't move and was unmobilized, right? But at the same time, 
my mom was a pit bull and she made sure I still got to do all the things. And I say that in good. I said that oh, in I good. Know you do. You know, I like my mom was a pure advocate for me because when I was diagnosed, um, I was removed from school. And then when I came back to school, I ended up coming back with the highest average in science and making National Honor Society because my mom was a no-go. Mm. And I, I meet a lot of parents through the program, through Source, and they like, oh, my God, like, my child has this or she got ADD or this. And I'm just like, listen, it's protocol. You know, what's going on? What can she do? What can they do? So that's primarily where we are with Source. We mobile. We'll come to you. We don't discriminate <laughs> against anyone. We travel out of state. Um, and we just want kids to have fun. Learning should be fun. It shouldn't be a hostage situation. <laughs> <laughs> right, man. You you done, whoo, you done gave me so much. Like, no, no, in such a good way that, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here in awe of the things that you are doing with your program and the the people that you are touching with your program because a lot of the the things that you said are not taught and these are people who are not touched you know mm -hmm. and so we're it's overlooked and you're over here thinking of them putting it out there like it's amazing it's so much i'm trying to Thank digest you. yes i'm trying to digest and like I don't even know what to ask next. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm so stuck. Um, but I'll say this. I'll go, I'll start here. Number one, you have a, a black son. I have a black son. And I don't know about your area where you're at, but where I am in California, in the Bay Area, black boys seem to be overlooked when it comes for programs of STEM. You know, I see a lot of Black Girls Code or Black Girls This or this mm -hmm. program is for girls only, which I'm not hating on in any form or fashion. Like they deserve it too, you know, but I don't think it, it didn't dawn on me until I had a son that there's no program. Well, not none, but there's fewer programs, especially targeted to people of color and boys. So let me tell you something. So true fact. People, people ask me this. The past few weeks, I've been getting this a lot, and I'm gonna just say it like it's, it is what it is. Anybody know me? Know I'm upfront and raw, you know, yeah. about everything. And true fact, one of the reasons I left education is not just the slight. Um, when I was in education, a lot of the young men I, I worked in Southeast DC, right. And a lot of the young men in that area that I worked with, middle, middle schoolers, were um, not to go too in-depth, but they were having situations, you know, probation officers, all kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. And for normal, for people who don't understand that faction, that's the normalcy for us, right? So I used to get in trouble. Oh, I just told somebody this, ironically. I, I used to get in trouble all the time because I'm one for, I'm against the grain, mm -hmm. right? I'm always the advocate, die hard. And one of the things I did with the gardening program, which is one of the reasons I transitioned to do my own thing, was because instead of you suspending them or calling a probation officer or 
whenever if they breathe too hard in ISS, right. if they doing this, they you putting them out. Like you're not you're not helping them, you're hindering them because you right. put them back in the situ same situation they was in. So <laughs> I will often get in trouble because I was the savior. So what I did was I got y'all. Don't suspend them. Give them to me. We're gonna put them in the garden. And mm. for media reasons of release, I can't show the picture, but I have a picture where it's me and the young men. And it got to the point where they wouldn't even care about getting in trouble because I could leave them outside knowing that they weren't going to run off the campus, knowing they weren't going to run off the base because they was eager to learn. They started wanting to teach the pre-K students that we had. And I used to tell, I just told someone this, you got to put them in situations where when they know better, they do better. When they see right. better, they want to learn better. And if you study putting them in a habitat where they're going to fail, you're not giving them the opportunity to do different, you're going to end up with, with horrible results. Right. right. So I challenge the principal, give them to me. If they mess up, I take all faults. But if they don't mess up, you owe me, right? And when we start being progressive with that garden, that was one of the things in my mind that really made me, like you said, you got a son, I got a son. Like, some got to shake. Who going to teach my son these things when right. I start transitioning? Because these, <laughs> no shade, but some of these teachers ain't what we had, right? Yeah. It's not proactiveness. You got a lot of people that's just like, they there, then COVID happened, they stressed out. I was a teacher during COVID, and that was like one of the most stressful things I did and it was like what you giving them mm -hmm. so in all honesty I think programs like that are help our boys um, and that's why I'm trying to do what I do because of the discrimination against the handicap against the babies you know mm -hmm. is what we consider the babies when I saw I saw I first heard of a kindergarten failing a pre-k student failing yeah, in, in D.C., you don't pass certain requirements. I don't know if this nationally. I don't know. But I've seen pre-K and kindergarten students get held back. And that bothered me. Right. Because right? it's like, I know you're doing your job as a teacher. Maybe the parent don't have the skills they need to teach the kids what they need. I taught at a GED school, ran one in the afternoon. Right, as an instructional manager, I'm teaching the same parents of the kids I teach in the daytime. Wow. Mm -hmm. So when I got that mindset, I had to check a lot of teachers like, yo, your kid living lovely. These kids don't know. I know for a fact because I'm with their mom and daddy in the evening time, right. from 6 to 11 o'clock at nighttime, preparing them and got to go to school and teach their same kids. So if their mama don't know math or STEM, how, how she going to know math or STEM? Right. So that's where the approach came from, from source. Who going to give them that? It's not, I mean, there's not a lot of programs. Like you said, you know, there's so many people that are overlooked when it comes to STEM. And, of course, when we had Obama as president, STEM was big. You know, mm -hmm. money was given to it. We're going to do it. We're going to bring it together. Then we have the other guy come in and just, <laughs> you know, mess it all up. You know <laughs> Yeah, he just, he just blew it up, just messed it up. And now, you know, now with a pandemic and everything else, there's a lot of 
of people who are left behind when it comes to STEM. And I mean, that's part of the reason I do this podcast is for one, I get to meet meet all these interesting people doing a plethora of jobs in STEM that I've never heard of and was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Number two, though, I get to share this expertise with the next generation. And then, you know, I get text messages and phone calls like, hey, I have a student who's interested in this. Do you know someone who do it? And there's a good chance I do because I've met them and I've done this podcast. And if I don't, I just put like a little blurb out on social media, like anybody doing this. And Mm. nine times out of 10, I get that connection. And for me, that's what it is. You know, like you said earlier, I had someone ask me about a young man who was interested in engineering. And I was like, cool. They in high school. I said, well, there's Nesby Jr. Start there. But also you need what kind of engineering? What do you want to do in engineering? You got to be more specific if you go tell me what you're looking for. You know, engineering ain't just one thing. That's a whole whole system. That's that's what I'm saying. So like verbiage is so I learned that you know, coming out that verbiage and vocabulary is terminology is important, right? Mm -hmm. We give them dreams, but we don't give them background. One of the things I did one time at one of my, I had a workshop with some kids and we was just chit-chatting, you know, we sitting there and we talking. And one of the things I did was I gave them a note card and it was blank on one side, and on the other side, I had like a whole bunch of salaries on it. It didn't have the name of the job. It just had like salaries. Mm-hmm. And I told them to, uh, we was going to count to three, and we just flipped the cards over, right? And on the count of three, we flipped the cards over, and they was like, what is this? They was like, Doc, right? What is this? What? These numbers. And I said, what's in the front? And they was like, these dollar signs. I said, okay. <laughs> I said, I just told them, just start hollering out the numbers that you see on the cards. And after about the fifth or sixth holler, the kids started realizing, yo, did somebody, did somebody, somebody make this like this? And I was like, these are salaries mm-hmm. to STEM positions. No particular STEM position, but these position. Now I named the list. I had a list of like all of the numbers I pulled for them, and it was like um, aerodynamics mm-hmm. person. Now this before I even knew what a uh, what you call them little things that be flying. Drones. Yeah, drone. This before I even knew what a drone was, and it was. It was a variety of things like uh, marine scientists and, and a whole bunch of different just STEM jobs. And mm-hmm. I read the list down and then I told them, I say, everybody pick one. It was enough for the clay. I say, pick one. And everybody wrote down. So when they told me what they wanted and gave me gave me the salary, I gave them the name to oh, that particular yeah, position, right? And they was like, oh my God, like all I got to do is go, because they had to do research and come back. Mm-hmm. And they was like, I just got to go to school four years. Like, that's all. Like, yeah. Like, some people with, te- and I explained that to them. I said, you know what? I have friends with technical degrees. No four-year, no PhDs, no. 
whatever in cybersecurity and all kind of positions, <laughs> making way more money than I can ever dream of, versus you know people with PhDs and not. And, and I tried to tell them that it's okay to chase a dream, <laughs> right? It's okay to get a PhD. I got a PhD because I'm just eager to always learn something different. Mm -hmm. It had nothing to do with a particular job. It had nothing to do, right? It was just because I'm a, I'm a seeker. But I was explaining to them, you can get a trade and still be successful if mm -hmm. you apply yourself. And these people... Are making these same salaries and above with bs's and masters that people with phds would make so having a title is not about you just want to have letters in front of your name it's mm -hmm. about where you're getting from it but at the same time if what you want to do can get you where you need to be without all the stress shoot for and they used to tell me dr right you can't tell them that i can because we live in a world where we factioned on having degrees and titles and i know more people without degrees and titles sustaining better than people with degrees and titles so don't hinder them to they have to have degrees tell them why they need to have the degrees or tell them why they, if they want to go technical, why this is why you need to go in a technical position. That mm -hmm. mind was blown. They, oh my god, I made you know, in 60,000, 75,000 dollars, they were killing me. They was like, Oh, I can make 40. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I um, just last week or the week before, actually, I was on a research boat that sailed from Seattle to San Diego, Ooh. and we took. It's a program that I know. Um, I know the lady who one of the ladies who runs it called STEM Seeds, and it's a week long program where they take students out on a research boat, so they live on a boat, eat on the boat, do like hands on programs on the boat, and they learn what it's like to be, you know, on a boat. <laughs> and um, so we had some of the technicians come talk to the students. And one guy in particular, he, he stood out to me. He's like an engineer on the boat. And his thing is, he doesn't have a house. He don't live anywhere. And oh, okay. he, he because uh, these, these trips are like, I think the longest day is about either 40, 45 days that you're on that boat. That's the longest trips. But you can oh, do wow. as many as you want. So um, he actually got his degree in journalism. He was a producer for a news program. And he hated it, hated it. Always hated loved it. water though. So he <laughs> somehow started doing like the training to be a technician, be on a boat. He started doing that. Now, you know, he lives on the boat for 40 some days or however long the transit is, gets his backpack, gets off the boat and live on whatever island or wherever he lands for however long and then gets back on the boat. So he was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? he was like, I backpacked through the countries of Africa. I lived at Tahiti for two weeks. My girlfriend, she met me in Hawaii, and then we went to the Galapagos. And yeah, I was just like, passion, bro. You gotta, you gotta follow your passion, man. Like people don't get that. My grandmother always said something when I was younger that stuck with me. It's a lot of people wake up and they go to work mad and make everybody else mad mm -hmm. because they chasing money or they content and complacent. 
But it's a lot of people that actually go to work too and they be happy because they're doing what they love. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much you <laughs> you run from it, you're gonna still walk into your light and your passion. And people don't people don't understand that. I met this lady, yo, she was like in her 60s, just started working with us. And everybody was like, okay, you worked for the government before. Like, and she was like, Oh, I took off to take care of my mom. And she mm-hmm. was like, I didn't want to go back full time. She was like, I just wanted something to do. She was like, I'm over. <laughs> she was like, I'm over, you know, because she's done it for so long. And she was like, I didn't like my job anymore when I went back. So she said, I chose to do something different. She said, I'm getting older and I need some excitement. And I was like, yo, that's the dopest thing ever because you meet people who like older and age and they, I can't do this. I can't, but you can. Mm-hmm. Because what's going to kill you quicker is you going to work being upset. <laughs> she got to go versus doing something to make you happy. And that's dope that he do that because a lot of people don't live in their dream. A lot of people don't live in what they know they worth. You get in mm-hmm. positions and you become content and complacent and you start dealing with the weariness of being content and complacent. And that drive you crazy, y'all. Like somebody posted a while ago that they just can't, they can't go to work no more. And I said, y'all, I used to get like that at one of my jobs. And I just woke up one day and said, this ain't it. Can you see the thing? Yeah. No, I mean, I, um, a couple, I think it was not three or four years ago, I, um, had this opportunity with this other program called School of Rock, which is a geology program. And they take like professors and stuff like that, or people who's interested to go learn geology. And so this one was in New Zealand and I knew one of the ladies who was putting it on. And so she was like, Hey, you're going to come to New Zealand for a week and a half, two weeks to learn about um, geology, but I'm going to stay two additional weeks. Do you want to stay with me and just like be in New Zealand for a month? I want to do that. (laughs) Please. Yes. Yes, ma'am. I do want to do that. And so we, um, I told my job and you know, my job was like, that's too long. You can't take a month off. I was like, okay, I quit. He was like, wait, what? I was like, so a paid for trip <laughs> to New Zealand or work here, which I don't even care for, don't even like. Bye. I'm going to go to New Zealand. Yeah, I'm gone. <laughs> Goodbye. You know what I mean? And like, now I have a son, so I'll be a little bit more mindful before just like up and inducing. <laughs> but you know, you know, even, even this last trip, I had to spend a week in Seattle in quarantine before even getting on the boat. So I would have been gone two weeks. And so I was like, my son, he just turned one. And oh. I was like, I don't know, you know, this would be the longest. We, I've been at home with him pretty much this whole time with COVID, working from home. Like, I don't know if I could do two weeks. And my partner was like, you have to do two weeks. You have to go because he has to see you doing this. Oh my goodness. You know, like that my husband. <laughs> like nah whatever you need to do you need to get it done he's straight we got him he good. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah we gotta leap mama we gotta leap we ain't gonna they ain't gonna know to do want to do it no they not you know what i'm saying so i'm just like and like 
So many, many years ago, before my best friend and I even had kids, we had we were like this. We got to do what the Caucasians do. And we had to show our kids a variety of positions before they even go to college. We got to take them around, our friends, our people. Hey, you, you 14, now you can be an intern. You go go intern with that medical doctor, see if that's what you like. 15, you're going to go do it with a lawyer. 16, whoever. You didn't do these internships or whatever and see what job you want before you even go to college. Mm-hmm. Go to college. <laughs> and then the the people in, that I've met, you should get a job straight out of college. Oh. Been that, done that. <laughs> I think I was probably one of the last ones and it's so crazy because I was the go-getter for everybody, did, 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 right? And I think I was one of the last ones to even get a position. Now, some of that is on my fault because some of the positions offered to me, I was like, mm-mm. Because mind you, like, I haven't, at that point, I had never been away from my family, mm-hmm. right, like that. And then, you know, like I said, I have an immune deficiency so I was like really in fear factor, uh, <laughs> a mindset like, oh, shoot, if I, you know, if I go all the way to Pennsylvania, Hershey, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. by myself. And at that time, I I was a wildfire, my mouth. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord, I can't go to Hershey, Pennsylvania with these people. Like, no. And then when right. they me, oh, yeah, it's only two minorities. Wait, what? what? No, uh-uh. no, Am I one of the two? One of the two. <laughs> and I, I reflect on things like that, you know, like I do sometimes sit and be like, dang, if I would have took the job in Kansas, blah, blah, blah. If I would have went to Hershey or if I actually would have took the job in D.C. when I first got out of school, what would have happened? But then in the same mindset, I'm grateful because mm-hmm. I won't call them missed opportunities. I call them learned experiences, right? right? And being in some of the positions that I would have been in, I'm actually grateful I didn't get them. Sometimes God just tap you on the shoulder and say, that ain't right. That ain't right. what you need to do, right? And we don't understand it at that time. But as I've grown into my maturity and established myself as a scientist, it was like, yo, that wasn't right for me right like girl you better be grateful you ain't take that or you seeing other friends in positions and you like whoo i dodged the bullet you know what i'm saying like, you had those moments oh yes where you be like this so i honestly feel you wholeheartedly like where you are with the we need to show them and do and give them choices because my sister laugh all the time because People had this aspect, uh, my, my husband's in IT, so they feel like, oh, you're a scientist, you in IT, so your husband in IT, so your son should do, mm-mm. If Raiden, wanna, he have fascination with cars. If he want to go build cars at the racetrack, mm-hmm. I'm going to promote Raiden to build cars at the racetrack. If Raiden want to be an artist, he too, but he like to draw on everything. He want to mm-hmm. be an artist. I have several cousins that's artists. Come help this boy learn how to draw these scenes or whatever y'all call right. it. <laughs> right? You, we have to allow them to be free. And I think we, as people in our age ranges, feel that way because it was instilled in us 
this is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you either going to go be an athlete or you're going to go to the army or service or you're going to get a job or you're going to go to school. Like, you mm-hmm. only got no options. Pick one. Right. right. And because I feel like, like, I, that's why I use the word hostage. Because <laughs> I feel like when we was growing up, because that's what our parents some of them didn't get the opportunity to do some of those things or our great grandparents. So that was right. just the instillment of in us to that's purpose. That's your purpose right. in life. But I feel like as times change, especially with COVID, because it's not going to shift <laughs> no right. time soon uh, for a plethora of reasons. But I feel like with these COVID babies, I consider my son a COVID baby. He turned two in July. Your baby is one. He's definitely a cub baby, right? Because all they know is mama, daddy, house, and maybe the one or two hours that they do go to daycare, right, with the people they be around. That's all they know. And these babies different. Like my, <laughs> my son, full iPad, he said something today, and we was in the truck, and I was like, what? He was like, boring. He was playing <laughs> on his apps. <laughs> and I was like, wait. Like, even when he starts saying his ABCs and one, two, three, we didn't sit down with him and, like, literally, like, say this, say this. Yeah. We'll go through different stuff, and then he just started one day off his app, like, oh, that's blue. Oh, that's green. And I'm like, hold on, because you're scaring me now. Like, <laughs> let me make sure you really know that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I get it. But they got to be free, yo. I'm not holding my kid hostage because I feel like I want him to be an athlete because I'm going to be old and I need some money. Like, <laughs> No, right, right. No, you definitely want to do that. I mean, like for, for my master's degree, I it was more of an interdisciplinary where I was studying um, how our youth are, are raised and um, the idea of who is a scientist. And, you know, it goes back to before kids go to kindergarten when they're free, you know, you were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, oh, I want to study dinosaurs in space. And that's a kid answer. But by the time they're in third grade, fifth grade, mm-hmm. it's beaten out of them, quote unquote, beaten out of them. Like, no, that's not right. You can't do that. You can't, you can't do it. You can't be here. And, you know, you got to change your terminology and it's not, no, you can't do it. Now you tell me how. You gonna do that? That part. You tell me how you gonna study dinosaurs in space, mm-hmm. and I'll help you do it. And then you know you let them still keep that create creativity, you know, because a, a black person probably could have built Facebook. Mm-hmm. They just probably wasn't given that opportunity. Hey, when I was in in the fifth or sixth grade, I I remember for one Christmas, Bones was my favorite movie. With Denzel Washington, yes. I don't know why. As a kid, that would be my favorite movie. Says a lot, huh? <laughs> but that was my favorite movie. And I remember people asking me, "What you want to be?" And I was like a forensic pathologist. I remember my cousin them being like a what? And I was like a forensic path. And I was like, I used to be so excited. Oh, I want to go to the body farm because I had done research after watching about something in the sixth grade telling people I'm be a forensic pathologist. And people was like, no. Like, I don't even know what that is. Like, why are you, why are you seeing it? So I can relate to what you're saying with that because that that was honestly something. 
I really had in my mind I was gonna do. And then people's like, you can't play with the head bodies? Like, what? What? <laughs> you in the sixth grade. Like, who want to do that? <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm a just Somebody does it, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, somebody <laughs> works at the body farm. Somebody. A, a lot of people. <laughs> you know, so if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Yeah, that's true. That we do, we do get hindered. I remember my teacher saying he was like a what, and I was like a forensic pathologist. He was like, "You can't play with dead people," and I was like, "It's not okay, whatever." I just left it. I mean, and it, unfortunately, it still happens even when you get older. Like I always tell people, like, "What's your ultimate goal with this? What do you want to do?" You know, it's not like you're getting paid and all this stuff. Well. I just want people to share what they do in STEM because it's interesting. I, mm-hmm. I get to meet interesting people and I get to learn about jobs I didn't know. And, you know, one day if Netflix want to give me a show and I can go around and show you these jobs, then that's that's what I want to do, you know. And I got, yeah, and I got people, you know, sex sales. You got to dress sexy. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I'm just like, um, I had one person who wanted to film me doing a science project in a lab in a dress and heels. And I was like, that is an That's unrealistic. Yeah, like you can't do that. The whole reason of a lab coat is so you don't wear your nice shit too. You know? You know, <laughs> you know for real, get some hoes in your stuff. But see, and that's a lot of reason. No, for real, for real. That's one of the reasons I left Homeland Security because you have people in places in no no shade to no manager no boss whatever if you feel some type of way i can't help you i'm sorry but it's like you work with people in positions you have a job that you know what you're supposed to do for your job right but then at the same time you have people with unrealistic mind goals for example i'm a geospatial analyst it might take me 30 minutes or it might take me three hours to manipulate one map depending on what you want from me, right? right? But if you've never done GIS, if you've never touched a map, if you don't even know, and I got to explain to you as a manager what GIS is and what Mm -hmm. I'm doing through the processes of me manipulating this map for you in a timely fashion, but also give you correct raw data. You can't have an expectation to tell another manager that I'm going to have a map ready in 20 minutes that <laughs> literally takes 20 hours. Like we, mm-hmm. we have people and people I've been a manager before. Right. And I know we need things. I know we have deadlines, but being on both sides of the water, I've had the experience to know everybody gonna sink if this not right. right so even as a manager you need to allow people to to do what they need to do in a job to make sure that everybody's job is secure because if i send this data out and it's wrong and it's going to congress and being displayed right on twitter mm-hmm. and all these other places because people are trying to understand these ranges you can't tell me to do something in 20 minutes and then you mad because it's not done. Ma'am, sir, we all going to lose our jobs. And you have people that's in higher positions with unrealistic goals for realistic mm-hmm. positions. And that's the problem. That's a big problem. 
unrealistic mindsets when you don't have no understanding of what my job title is or what I'm doing for my position. Right. And there's a lot of people like that. I mean, you, you I'm talking about media. You guys know cameras and editing and all that stuff, but you don't know laboratory work. You don't know what it's like to get dirty in yeah, the lab. So burn a hole in your in your clothes. Right, right. You you wanna you want me to dress like sexy and that those clothes ain't gonna last. And, and it's uncomfortable. Like, How many labs and see your see I'm rhetorical. I would hit you with a rhetorical question in a heartbeat. How many labs have you been in, sir or ma'am, where you actually saw people in dresses and in heels? No, yeah. you're not even supposed to wear open toes or open leg legs in a lab yeah. or a hospital. <laughs> just, just come on, people. Like some stuff just common sense. Common sense is not common. <laughs> you know, all I can think about when you were talking about creating maps and stuff for Congress are all the internet scientists who would say the map is wrong. <laughs> that that drive, <laughs> I, that just I'll be like, oh, so what school did you go to? What what program did you learn that you know this is wrong? Oh, that that's a whole that, that was that was internal custom kickback of why. Like I don't I think I explained several times why. A certain image was scaled the way it was scaled, or why I couldn't put all of Africa and South America zoomed out into one folder, and then I kept having boxes called drop. What are those little drop, drop boxes, boxes for? What they're not drop. Listen. You know, and it's like, if you want me to do my job, let me do my job. And I get it. It's stressful. It's time consuming. But in a lot of STEM positions, we're underlooked mm -hmm. and overworked, you know, mm -hmm. to be able to be effective like we need to be. Everybody is like doing a equation, a math equation, right? When you think about STEM, STEM is like a math equation. You can have 12 people doing the same STEM job, but they're going to do it different because they're going to think about it different. And you still get the same result, but it's how you do it and how you apply it and how you manipulate the situation to find a final answer. And I used to tell people all the time when I worked in STEM, you can tell me to do something 50 times, but I'm still going to do it the way I want to do it because that's what I know how to, to do to make it comfortable for me to relate to someone else. And that's why it's so important for me when it comes to source outreach. I'm having the same kickback that you're having too. You know, like <laughs> I went to a school to, yesterday and went to talk to the principal and the secretary literally stopped and she was like, oh, that's nice and cute because when we talked on the phone, I guess she presumed I was someone else until she saw me face front. And then she mm -hmm. was like, oh you know you get those reactions and it's like an aha moment because then it's like okay so what do i need to do different but why do i need to alter what i need to do to supply need to people that need it right so then you stuck in a stagnated place 
that's why I'm I'm pushing source so hard because the babies need it. Mm-hmm. There are disabled students who should have it. And then we need to know about growing gardens because it's deserts popping up everywhere. Like I, I mean, I, I currently live in a food desert. Trust me, Ooh. I know. Oh, because you're in California. Mm-hmm. Wow. See, like, and how many how many urban gardens have you seen? Like where you live at? Um, I live in Oakland. I think there's one urban garden that I know of and it's on the other side of Oakland I've only been there one time and I keep trying to tell my partner we need to go and it's black ran and you know they got some chickens so they I think they do free eggs and a couple of free vegetables and stuff and before COVID you know you can go like as a school or whatever and they would do programs and have kids learn a little bit but you know it's it's on one side of Oakland, and um, I don't know. It's not, it's not. I will say this. One thing they do have that they're not good at keeping stocked is outdoor refrigerators. And mm. so anybody can walk through and take stuff out of the refrigerator that they need. Um, it's not always stocked, though. They're really big on giving away food. Like, every day, there's somewhere you can get a bag of food, which is cool. I don't hate on it at all. But at the same time, you're you're not teaching. You're only teaching them to be resourceful on where to find free stuff. Where not to find free stuff. Not how to do it themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, see, and that's that's why I'm so pro. Like, <clears throat> yo, let's get it. We got to start teaching ourselves. Like, we got to. You know what I'm saying? I've been since I was about five or six before my great grandmother passed. I didn't even understand that I was actually doing farming and gardening and horticulture, right? Because she would grow peppers and tomatoes under the clothesline. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's small things. And and we're not teaching each other how to advocate for ourselves to want to learn. You you got to want to learn. You have to, hey, okay, like, we ain't got no tomatoes. They doing food recall on lettuce. Okay, grow your own. How do you do that? I I, I told my partner, I was like, I want to buy a house. Don't know where, but I want to buy a house. Or actually, I want to buy a small farm. I ain't even trying to have a large farm. I ain't trying to have acres on acres because I ain't ain't doing that. But I can do one good acre, you know, and have some vegetables and stuff growing on here. And I'll do do goats. I I will raise goats and chickens. Goat meat is good. Goat meat is so good. It is. My my advisor, uh, Dr. E. Money, my advisor, (laughs) he used to raise the goats at the school and he made us some goat meat pies and handed them out and didn't tell nobody. Then it was a little side and said, goat meat, girl, them the best. (laughs) Whatever Indian food, the only place I know where I can go get some good goat meat in in African food places. But, but I'm see, like, that's another thing. What'd you say? I was gonna say, like, I would do goats because well the meat the meat is good. Mm-hmm. I don't drink goat milk, but you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. you can rent goats to clear land. And oh. you can make money off of your goats. You know what I'm saying? And goats are small enough that you know they're not as expensive vet bills as cows and horses and all the big hoofed animals. I do a small hoof one. Ten of them here. Oh, you need some land cleared? Here's some goats. Let them chew off the grass and boom. Ooh. That's a thought right there. That's a vibe because 
I'm thinking to myself, like, okay. Because, like, with him, with, like, with the ghost, what people don't know is, which is a problem, we don't think outside the box either mm-hmm. to want to try to do things different. If it's out right. of our comfort zone, oh, I ain't messing with that. Like, right. it's not until we see other people, which is nothing wrong with that because you're observing someone who's being successful, right? But at the same time, it's like, you have this concept where I can do that, but then we're too scared to do it or try it. Like when people tell me, oh, I don't eat this and that. Have you ever put it in your mouth? No. Nope. Well, how you know you don't eat it? Like you, you know what I'm saying? Like you've never tried it. And we got to want to, we got to want to be able to do things for us as African-Americans or minorities, period, that they doing and been doing it before it become a thing and get monetized <laughs> where it's too much for us to do because mm-hmm. you don't need you don't have to start being like with a, i tell people all the time you can get you four pots you can get your old toilet you can get you a tie you can go buy you a box uh what you call them little totes you can go buy a tote and drill some holes in it. Be creative. I call it African-American engineer, whatever. Mm-hmm. Put you some holes in the bottom of it, and you got a raised bed right there. At a whole tote. Yeah. You know, like, you ain't got to spend a lot. If you don't have it, don't break your back to get it. But find ways to absorb it. <coughs> and right. Small things equal big things. So those two, three pots you had, putting some tomatoes in, you can mix certain vegetables. You can put peppers and strawberries in the same <laughs> like pot, right? For them to grow. And you ain't got to spend a billion dollars. You want to garden, reach out to somebody where you at. Co-ops do them all the time. You have these extension centers at these colleges. Reach out to them. They have people like myself that's agriculturists <coughs> who will go out and teach you how to master gardeners. Teach mm. people, I think we need to really start doing that from coast to coast, like teaching in our own little, do that in your backyard. Mm-hmm. You need a fence? Hell, go buy some chicken wire and wrap wrap your little toad up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So can't nobody get in it but you and the, and the deers can't leap in there. You know? It's- See, I'm going to need you, I'm going to need you to send me something about that. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't want to hold you forever, girl. It's already been an hour. <laughs> I, I know it's so crazy. <laughs> I know, right? See, it goes by. You were saying you were introvert. Look, it has already passed you by that whole hour. That's it. I'm a science junkie. I eat sleep science, but you talk about something else. I'm just probably gonna sit there and just nod my head. Like, <laughs> oh, that's me. I, you know, my, my partner likes to talk about TV, and I'll be like, Yep. <laughs> like okay all right okay whatever but all right so before we go if anyone wants to learn more about you what you do or your program how can they find you so we are in multiple media locations we have a web page www.sourceoutreach.com you can also find us on facebook at source outreach program you can find us on twitter and instagram under aim for one (coughs) that is our motto we aim for one um and other than that you can email me or 
ask Miss Cat how to find me, <laughs> and you can connect with us there. Awesome. Just give me one minute as I close out. But thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. And thank you. you, everyone, who joined in. I hope you had as great a time as I did. And uh, if you have any questions, always hit me up. And thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful Gobble Gobble Day tomorrow, however you celebrate it. <laughs>